Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers. I'm Erin Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this supplemental episode, we will be discussing our experience attending the third annual India Film Festival of Alberta here in Edmonton. Uh, welcome back, lovers. Welcome back, Matt. It's good to see you again. <laughs> good to see you as well. It's been a while since I saw you 10 yeah. minutes ago. <laughs> But uh, you, when we were uh, eating dinner and watching Brooklyn Nine Nine, yeah, yeah, you seem like you're in a good mood. It's been a while. <laughs> we are here with a departure from our usual schedule. This is a supplemental episode, not a regular episode of Bollywood is for Lovers. Yeah, we thought we would uh, just do a quick hit talking about the movies we were able to catch at the India Film Festival Alberta mm-hmm. uh, last weekend. So we're recording uh, today is the 18th, I believe. So about three days ago, the uh, um, festival was on, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we got to see three movies at it. Yeah, uh, we want to thank the uh, Edmonton Movie Club, which puts on the India Film Festival of Alberta here in Edmonton, uh, for having us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, you know, we really enjoyed our time, and we're going to talk about the films that we saw. Um, so this means that our episode that we had scheduled this week on Andy Basu will be out next week. But do you know what that means, Matt? What does that mean? It means we're going to have time to go to the theater to see Jagged Jesus. So we will be covering that in our next episode, which is very exciting. Oh, boy. I'm yeah. really looking forward to seeing that film. The reviews on that movie look astounding. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited. Yeah. Yeah. So next week we'll have our Andy Ragbasso episode and we'll be discussing Barfi, which we saw... Uh, Life in a Metro and Jagged Jesus. So yeah, well, we're not going to watch the TV show. Uh, that was we'll say that for later. <laughs> and we're not be watching Kites as we've mentioned because yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll mention it. Uh, but the India Film Festival of Alberta is a festival that's been running for three years here in Edmonton, and it's grown exponentially over the past three years. Mm-hmm. So not only does the festival take place here in Edmonton, but it also takes place in Calgary, Fort McMurray, Cold Lake, Peace River, and Red Deer. So these so, are kind of smaller places across the country. Mm-hmm. You might know Fort McMurray is... Uh, uh, if, if you know anything about Alberta, we've got the oil sands up north, and yeah. Fort McMurray is kind of the epicenter of that. Cold Lake is also up there. They have a military base. Mm-hmm. And uh, Red Deer is in the middle of the province between Edmonton and Calgary, our fierce rival, Calgary, boo. Yeah, um, yeah. You start off by saying these are smaller regions. Calgary is actually a bigger region. <laughs> yeah, Calgary is, Calgary is big, but it's just not as good as Edmonton. And, uh, uh, yeah, Peace River is another kind of smaller place. So it's interesting to see them branching out into smaller communities, also mm. Calgary, um, to uh, uh, show movies. And they have started showing films in Lethbridge as well, though the festival is not stopping in Lethbridge this year. I think they said they were going to try and do it next year, though. Yeah. So the festival's finished here in Edmonton, so unfortunately, if you're local and you didn't, you know, head out, I'm sorry. Uh, But the Edmonton Movie Club does put on screenings uh, year round, Mm -hmm. um, almost every week, either at the Metro Cinema, at the Garneau at the Princess Theater, both in the White Ave area, or now at TELUS World of Science on mm-hmm. the IMAX screen. So. This is how we saw uh, Bahubali 1 and 2, as well as Angamila Diaries. Mm-hmm. So some of my favorite movies of the year, actually, is from Edmonton Movie Club. So, yeah, and they have a new... Thank you, Edmonton Movie Club. They have a new Telugu blockbuster that's playing at TELUS World of Science this weekend with uh, our Madhavan, who was actually at the festival this year. Yeah, and I guess um, we should say it's not just uh, Hindi films at the festival. Mm -hmm. Uh, They show Gujarati movies, Tamil movies, Malayalam movies, Marathi movies, Bengali movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, So English language as well. English language films. Yeah, Uh, yeah, there's a wide variety of things. They're not all showing at each location, but uh, I think Edmonton got the lion's share of them. Yeah, I, I think our lineup was was pretty good. It had the stuff I was interested in, mm-hmm. um, which we'll be discussing. Um, but I do want to say that um, the Calgary Festival is running July 21st to 23rd. In Fort McMurray, it's July 29th. Cold Lake, July 30th. Peace River, August 12th. And in Red Deer on August 17th to 18th. So if you're local to any of those communities, uh, check it out. It's uh, at indiafilmfestival.ca for all of the films and listings. Yeah, and if you're uh, across the ocean, um, <laughs> you know, it might be, if you're a filmmaker, it might be worth uh, 
you know, submitting a movie to. Yeah. Um, or you might be interested in some of the films that we saw at the festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to that, Matt, uh, what was your impression of the festival overall? We went all three days. We saw a movie each day. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly films in Hindi, because that's what interests us. Yeah. Um, so we went for the opening night film, which was uh, Lipstick Under My Burka. Mm-hmm. Got the whole red carpet experience. Got to stand on the carpet, take pictures. Uh, there were lots of speeches, mm-hmm. various uh, dances. Um, so the Bhangra dance was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it was, it was certainly an event. It was, it was different from other screenings I've been to. And I, I don't think a lot of film festivals would have such an emphasis on, uh, culture, culture and yeah. community. And this one definitely, uh, tries to bridge cultures and they're highlighting a specific region in India mm-hmm. right now. Um, they're, they're, it seems like they're trying to do a lot of things. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, overall, I think we had a really good time, and mm-hmm. I think we were really impressed with the high caliber of films. I wish more people were in the screening room when we were watching, especially uh, Death in the Gunge. I mean, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, we're talking about Death in the Gunge, but the, it, it was a fantastic movie, and I wish more people had been able to see it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's always a, a challenge um, with any... I mean, Edmonton is known as Festival City, mm-hmm. um, but there's always a challenge with film here, especially film that is... Um, uh, that The kind of... Uh, that seems alienating. In it's that outside case. of the mainstream of exactly. most Edmontonians. Exactly. But that is changing, and I think uh, events like this are yeah. pushing the culture forward and having a more interesting uh, dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you weren't able to check out the festival this year if you are in Edmonton hopefully you could check it out next year um and hopefully they've ironed out some of the kinks mm-hmm. uh I will say it was a little frustrating that uh not a single film that we attended uh started on time mm-hmm. though I will say um it was getting closer <laughs> to the start time by the last film mm-hmm. so the first film we attended was 40 minutes late and I, I will say that was frustrating um, and then the second one was a half an hour ish late, and then the third one was only about like seven minutes late. So there's mm-hmm. improvement there, but yeah, like, it's, that was it's, frustrating. It's tough to schedule stuff, you know, and things run over. It's yeah, yeah, um, but that's the sort of thing that can be worked on. Yeah, and also, uh, unfortunately, one of the films we saw was clearly a watermarked preview screener. So I don't know what happened there, and I hope. That when that film screens throughout the rest of the festival, that they have um, a DCP that's not watermarked. It was a little distracting. Yeah, it is a little distracting, and you know, it's it's not what you expect when you attend a festival because I mean, it kind of mm-hmm. it seems a little clandestine, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, there, there's some stuff to work out. We noticed a, a lot of issues with the the program as well, blank pages and the same uh, film description being used for the same film. Which I think can also potentially be a difficulty for for people who are outside of um, kind of the the Indian community in Edmonton for accessing the festival if there's not proper descriptions and information about the films. And if they're not starting on time, you know, I can see that as being a barrier. As someone who produces printed material, I can see exactly what happened every time there was an error. But I also, I think it makes me makes me a little bit leery because I understand, yeah. you know, the entire process. And it's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, uh, we, we, we thoroughly enjoyed the festival. And obviously, they're, they're doing a lot. And the, mm-hmm. the, the films were very high caliber. It's just some of the, the details about the organ, organizing um, yeah. and uh, the... All these different cities and everything. There's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, to, starting the films on time and stuff like that, you know. It'd, it'd be nice to see some of those stuff or room ironed for, out room next for improvement. year. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the films that we saw, Matt. Uh, the first film was the opening night film, Lipstick Under My Burka. This mm. film has had a lot of buzz. Um, I believe this was the North American premiere. Actually, the majority of these films were playing uh, in Canada for the first time, with the exception of uh, A Death in the Gunge, which played at uh, the Toronto International Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Um but we're seeing it before it was even released in India. 
Um, and it's ah, what do you guys think about that? Huh? We saw it before you this time. And it has had kind of uh, difficulty releasing in India because it was at one point banned by the censor board. Mm-hmm. Seems like a little bit of controversy in this mm-hmm. film. And after seeing it, I completely understand why. <laughs> so the film was directed by Alankrita Srivastava and features Konkona Sen Sharma, Ratnapathak, Ahana Kumra, Plabita Borthakur, Sushant Singh, and Vaibhav Tatyawadi. That one's a tough one. Yeah, I hope we got those names right. Right-ish. Yeah. We're doing our best, as always. Uh, so the plot follows four women living in India in kind of um, the same apartment building in the small town of Bhopal. Yeah, I don't... When they say small town in Indian film, I never actually know, because, you know... It's probably relatively big, considering how many people live there. It didn't yeah. look like a village, though. It looked like a small city. Yeah, yeah. It's, There's it's, enough to have discos and stuff. Exactly. Like, it's yeah. somewhat urban, but it's not like a big metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. Um, so all these women live in this building. There's an 18-year-old college girl, a housewife, um, a young woman who's just about to be married, and a 55-year-old widow. Who owns the joint. Yeah. Or well, who's kind of in charge of it. It's a little bit unclear. Yeah. She's like the protector of the mm-hmm, building. Mm-hmm. And all four of these women are dealing with repression, especially sexual repression. So mm-hmm. they all kind of want more out of life than society really allows them to have. So the 18-year-old, she wears a burqa, but what she really wants to do is sing and dance like Miley Cyrus and, you know, go to clubs and have, like, the kind of, you know, like, young uh, adult life that she thinks most other girls are living, of having boyfriends, having fun, wearing what she wants. She wears the burqa, like, on the bus and stuff. When she gets to school, she takes it off. Yeah, and she uses it to shoplift. Yeah. Quite a lot of shoplifting. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty the, pro move, actually. <laughs> the uh, the young bride to be, she's Hindu, but she loves this Muslim photographer, and she's kind of plotting a plan where the two of them can run away together. Mm-hmm. Um, the housewife. Their plan, by the way, is <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Uh, well, they, they got a scheme where they um, have set themselves up as like a lifestyle brand. Mm-hmm. I guess you would hire them to document your honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they could do that someone just buying a camera wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit more professionally done, but their their plan is just garbage. The housewife is secretly kind of like a uh, direct saleswoman, mm-hmm. so woman, so doing door-to-door sales of uh, miracle, magical products. Her husband doesn't know it. He's One spent- of which is a gun <laughs> that you use to shoot... Um, like bug spray. Yeah. But it seems like this is a very dangerous product. Yeah. You would get shot by police if you were just, you know, waving it around, right? Mm-hmm. Her husband doesn't know about this. He spends most of his time kind of overseas and supposedly bringing in money, but actually they're struggling and yeah. she's the only one bringing in money. And if he knew about it, he would be upset. Um, and she has had three children and three abortions and can't convince her husband, you know, to use contraception. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the uh, cruelest scene in the film, actually, when she brings yeah. out a condom. He's like, what's this garbage? Foink. Well, and at first she's cons- he's concerned that she's wasted money on it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you wasted 90 cents on this condom? What's wrong with you? Uh, and then Usha, our uh, 55-year-old widow, uh, she has a libido that cannot be satiated. But as mm-hmm. a widow, she's expected to just kind of live out the rest of her life without expressing these urges. Mm-hmm. And so everything kind of, um, you know, starts to blossom, I guess, when she starts reading a uh, erotic novel and uh, called Lipstick Dreams, yes. which is partially where the title of the movie comes from. Yes, and this erotic novel, the narration of it, kind of uh, features throughout the film. I think that's the most clever part of the movie in that. Yeah, uh, you don't really know what the narration has to do with the characters at the beginning because mm-hmm. it's it's playing over uh, the uh, college girl and she's going to the store and stuff, mm-hmm. and then it it kind of weaves in and out of the narrative, and you can. You can like kind of link it to what's going on with the different characters. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really clever. It is, yeah. And then she ta- she takes up a uh, a swimming class for women um, and develops a crush on her swim instructor. 
And, and I mean, she does this without telling anyone. We should also mention she develops a crush on her swim instructor and uh, starts to call him in the middle of the night and engage in phone sex. He thinks she's a younger woman and is not aware that she's, in fact, the 55-year-old widow that he's also teaching how to swim. This is quite the uh, turn from the last time we saw this actress in uh, Coupe Surat, where yeah. she's kind of the uptight uh, matriarch of the royal family that yeah. only Sonam Kapoor can <laughs> melt the hearts of. Uh, but in this one, I, I'm i kind of a two of minds about it, because... Mm-hmm. She is the comedic backbone of the movie. Her adventures are a lot less dire than everyone else. Yeah. Um, I mean, her and uh, the university student have less uh, less sexual indignities performed upon them. Uh, but Fair. but like I think it's trying to um, you know use her as a bit of a. It's just it's just sort of funny that this old lady is horny. Yeah, and so... And I don't think it transcends that. Is Like, right. I think it's always supposed to be funny, even though you are, you're feeling empathetic for this person. It is also using her for jokes. Yeah, and so that can be... I think it works because Ratnapathic plays mm-hmm. that performance with such empathy. I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you had a lesser actress in the role or if it was written um, in a less empathetic way then she would start feeling like the, the kind of the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. But the way it's done, and I think especially the kind of the the final sequence that kind of brings all the women together. That's really well done. I'm thinking more of yeah. the uh, scenes where you're watching her learn to swim and you're kind of laughing, but you're also kind of like, oh, she really likes him. Mm-hmm. And you know it's not going to go anywhere. It's, I think it's maybe, I don't know, it, it's tough to say what I felt about it. It's kind of pitched in a way where I feel like we're sort of laughing at her right. a little bit, even though we shouldn't be. Well, it is... You, you need you do need some levity in this movie, though. Yeah. it's pretty grim. Yeah, and I mean, she does provide kind of the necessary comedic element to mm-hmm. this dramedy, because, like, at the end of the day, you know, like, women in their daily lives put up a lot of shit, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate how this film is, you know, kind of cross-generational in discussing mm-hmm. all the different kind of things that these Indian women have to put up with them and how much of a double standard there is. Mm-hmm. You know, with every single one of these women, it's just like a very clear double standard. And your buddy? And the reason that they're in this situation and the reason that they can't live their lives to the fullest the way they want to and why they never have control over their own lives is because they're women. Mm-hmm. And, and your buddy, uh, your buddy Tidley shows up in this movie too. Oh yes, yes. Uh, Shashank Aurora. Uh, he plays a love interest for the college girl, and I knew right away that he uh, was not a good guy. That he was bad news yeah. because he's Tidley, and I just know. He's also. I just bra- see his face, and he, I know he's Tidley, but he's also Brahman Naman, who you know. Yeah, I kind of like Brahman Naman. He's he's a nerd and yeah. kind of gross sometimes, but you know he's a. Uh, He's kind of a... He's an understandable character. Tilly was uh, just an exercise in miserableism, which I don't think this movie is. I think while it does deal with some pretty intense issues and shows things that I don't think I've seen in a Hindi film. I, I haven't seen the... No, those have been golly. I haven't seen the Q movies that you uh, talked right. about. But uh, like, I can't think of a movie that has this frank depiction of sexuality you mm-hmm. know, with no nudity. Um I can't think of another uh, Indian movie I've seen that uh, approaches that level of um, uh, explicitness. Mm-hmm. Which, which is fascinating because you yeah. know, we see some very, very violent mm-hmm. Indian films and Hindi films, um, but they're very—they're still always very chaste when it comes to sex and sexuality. This film is not. This film really goes there in places. You know, and forget me, forgive me if I'm wrong, but was it in this movie where they say? This culture invented the Kama Sutra, and yet it's a uh, it's basically a sin to talk about sex in your daily life, if you're a woman. Mm-hmm. I think it was this movie. I'm trying to remember now. Mm-hmm. Um, we did watch this a few days ago, and I'm trying to piece together <laughs> my thoughts again. It might have been that or one of the other films we saw at the festival, but it was the double standard was pointed out that the culture that wrote the book on uh, sex positions is somewhat repressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Q, the Bengali director you mentioned, has a whole documentary about this. Yeah. With that he made with his girlfriend, Rhys Sen. Um, 
And we're getting back to lipstick on a right burka. What did you think, Matt? Did you enjoy this? This has been a, a very buzzworthy film. I liked it. Um, I think I did appreci- it live up to the hype. I guess that's where I was going. I think I appreciated the dramatic elements more than the comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that a little bit of it was heavy-handed, but as soon as it was back to a dramatic portion of the women's lives, I thought it did a really good job. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, given the um, pretty desperate nature of all the people involved, you do need some comedic elements to even just break it up. Mm-hmm. I think Kankanasan Sharma is uh, fantastic in this movie. She's the MVP. Um, yeah. Her story, I think, is the hardest to watch. She has the toughest role by far. And she carries it with such dignity. Yeah. Um, if this was a different kind of movie, she would be bumping her husband off or yeah. leaving him or anything, but she is stuck. Yeah. They're all stuck. And uh, if you're looking for a happy or even a, really a resolution at all, the, you're not going to find it in this movie. It's yeah. it's definitely a, um, a conversation piece afterwards. Mm-hmm. What did you think? I really enjoyed it. Um, it didn't... It was very interesting for... An Indian film. Uh, it, it, our friend Alan Mott said it reminded him more of French cinema. And I kind of see where he's coming from in both kind of the aesthetics. I don't, but really? sure. Yeah. Oh, I think just in the way that it follows. With the voiceover narration. Um, and just kind of the way that it was uh, cut and the story beats. I, I, I see where he's coming from. I think it I think it follows traditional art house ideas. Yeah. Many of which were sort of laid down by French cinema, especially mm-hmm. New Wave. For sure. I think it yeah, it is very ostensible it is very explicitly being mm-hmm. art house. Um yeah. nationality I would I don't know. That's I fair. would argue about that. Yeah, I, I I'll agree with that. Um and the I was really impressed by how it follows all four of these stories and kind of um, finds the same beats in them naturally at the same times. And mm-hmm. kind of when it comes to the, the climax, it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like we were trying to push all these women's lives into the same hole. Instead, it just it, it yeah. felt the rhythm of it was, was impressive. I, I thought it was really well done. Do you think the title is deliberately trying to be provocative? Because only two of the four women are Muslim. And is it just trying to get people's, you know, antennae up already by saying lipstick under my burka? Let's just, you know, let's get it out there and be as controversial as possible. Because there is a scene where they all put on lipstick and Mm -hmm. it is kind of a recurring theme with the lipstick dreams story as well. But I think it is that trying to court controversy. I will say that I did assume because of the word burqa so in the title that yeah. all the women were Muslim. I think I do prefer the title Lipstick Dreams. I think that would have been stronger. I, but it, I don't know if it would have been as provocative, I guess. Yeah, I guess. It, 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 does, it certainly tries to set a tone right off the hop. And mm-hmm. I feel like some people might be disappointed or that might be part of the reason why it has gotten such attention is mm-hmm. that it, it has a title that is deliberately provocative. So, um, I wonder if that will help it or hurt it in the end. Yeah. But yeah, I guess if I wanted to pick a French movie that it reminded me of, I would say maybe, uh, Blue's the Warmest Color, uh, Vida Del. Um, okay. Just the exacting detail to a woman's life. Right. But split into four and mm-hmm. in different, not different <laughs> phases of the same person's life, but different phases of a woman's existence. And way less explicit. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, if you're, if you watch Blue's the Warmest Color, but thought it was, too explicit and too much eating of spaghetti. Um, <laughs> I would suggest lipstick under my burger. Okay, well, a, so you give it a thumbs up too. I think you liked it a bit better than me, but uh, yeah, I did, and I, yeah, I, I give it a thumbs up. I think it's well worth checking out, and this is the kind of like progressive feminist cinema that I think everyone you know should be engaging with, and everyone should care about. What do you think of it compared to the uh, feminist Indian film we watched last year, uh, Angry Indian Goddesses? I thought this was better. So did I. I thought this. I think it had a, a better direction. I don't think the film kind of got derailed with um, a larger message that it wanted to make. The, the third act of Angry Indian Goddesses... Um, really derails that film. Mm-hmm. It, it has like several ideas and it's juggling all that and it's doing it very well and then it kind of zeroes in on one in a way that it's a very important topic um, but it derails the film. I also found Angry Indian this- Goddesses it, it felt like it was a lot of it was improvised conversations because right. 
the first two thirds of the movie is basically all the women hanging out and mm-hmm. talking about their lives and what they think about things, which is perfectly fine. But it does make for a bit of a meandering story, and then you kind of get that um, very hard um, third act starts now with an act of violence, and then you're like, oh, yeah. a different movie has started. Yeah, yeah. This felt more cohesive, and what I really appreciate about this film was that it covers multiple generations. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't just say that it's just kind of young women dealing with feeling repressed. Um, all women are feeling this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, and, and I like that they, that the women form a relationship together despite their, their ages and where they are in life and the yeah. issues that they're dealing with. Again, if this was a more commercial movie, they would have worked together to subvert the patriarchy in some way. And this yeah. it's just kind of, um, clinging together at the edge of uh, you yeah. know, sanity, basically. And I, I will say, I did like the portrayal of the patriarchy here. You know, like, there's kind of no good men in sight. I hate to tell you, Matt. Hey, it's okay. Um, <laughs> you know, we've had a good run as males, so. Yeah. But there's plenty of movies about heroic men that if I ever feel the need to, I could fall back on, so. Well, that takes us to our second film of the festival, and the movie that I was most looking forward to Death in the Gun. I think it's the one we like the best out of all three. Oh, definitely. This yeah. is the directorial debut of actress Konkana Sen Sharma. Who they, talk in, about having an amazing year. Like yeah. being in the most controversial art film in India and then also directing <laughs> probably the best art film I've seen from India this year. Yeah. Um, Ungamali Diaries maybe as well. They're, they're in the same ballpark. And we haven't seen Trapped yet. We haven't seen Trapped. Yeah. But uh, this one was fantastic. Yes. Uh, it stars another, like, just bomb cast. Um, Vikrant Massey as uh, Shutu, who was previously in, whoops, I got my burka as well. Ranveer Shori, Kalki Kochlin, Tiltotama Shome, Gulshan Devaya, Tan- Tanuja Ompuri, and Jim Sarb, who we previously saw in Rapta. This is a much better movie than the last <laughs> Jim Sarb joint we watched. It was. Um, yes. I think I told you when we were watching it, like, man, he should wear a beard all the time. He looks like Indian Elliot Gould. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And he had kind of like some patches of gray in his hair. And it was yeah. Curly. He, he was extremely gray. handsome. He had a, yeah. like the beard and mustache. It was great. I don't know the same kind of sexual magnetism as Elliot Gould, but sure. India, <laughs> if you're going to make a remake of The Last Goodbye, The Long Goodbye, and I suggest you do, because <laughs> it would be amazing, why not think about Chip Sark? <laughs> sure. That would be great. Well, what did you think of A Death in the Gunge? Well, I thought it was fantastic. Me too. Uh, the story is about something that I think most people can identify with mm-hmm. in a certain way. Just going on vacation with people and just not entirely being comfortable with the situation. Mm-hmm. Everyone has been in a situation where they felt a little bit uh, on the outs. They feel like everyone else knows each other and has history and you don't. Mm-hmm. And then this just kind of takes it to a pretty um, grisly conclusion with a death that happens. But yeah. I, I think it was just a great examination of an awkward period that many people have dealt with. Everyone, probably. Yeah. We've we've certainly been on vacations before where you're just not getting along with another person. And mm-hmm. it, it can kind of derail your entire experience. Mm-hmm. And this is that taken to the next level. Well, taken to the next level, but also I think kind of a, revealing the the weaknesses and the um, the issues and the struggles that that people face, especially in regards to kind of um, facing life and fitting in. So the film starts out with kind of um, a couple of the characters trying to fit a body into a trunk. Of yeah. Car. And then it, in a very Tarantino-esque, uh, yeah. you know, uh, lid opening scene. So, uh, Conker has been paying attention to other types mm-hmm. of films. She and did an it, amazing job in this film, by the way. Like, oh, she's it's if incredible. I, if I had not known that this was her first movie, I would think it was her fifth or sixth. Like, she's, yeah. you know, she's coming out of the gate, uh, you know, both barrels blazing. Yeah. And then it flashbacks uh, seven days, and we see kind of the week leading up to this death. And we don't know... Who dies? We don't know how they die. This is a great dramatic device, by the way. We know two people who lived through the uh, week. We're pretty sure it's not the kid who dies because the kid is small enough that you wouldn't need to bend them to fit into a car truck. Right. I mean, you know, it's a bit morbid to talk about it. But also we don't think that it's that kind of film. Yeah. But, like, 
you know, it gives you a lot of dramatic tension. Like, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of people here. Their personalities are bouncing off of each other. Who's going to shoot who? Yeah, and it's really about this... Um, about reaching this boiling point, about watching the interactions. I mean, this this is a it's a film directed by an actor, and I think it's very much an actor's kind of film because mm-hmm. it's all about the interactions between these people and the drama and the collision between how um, they bring out the worst in each other and just kind of reaching that boiling point where one of them ends up dead. And I think a lot of it kind of lives and dies with how much you identify with Shutu, who is um, Vikrant Massey's character. And I completely identified with Shutu. And putting all my chips on the table, I'm the youngest of five who's kind of grown up where everyone else was just kind of somewhat older than me and somewhat removed. Mm-hmm. And they all had um, a relationship and an experience that I could never quite engage with, but they all have like an idea of me. And so I always felt very alienated from them. Mm-hmm. And so kind of seeing that on screen realized in this way, it hit me hard. Yeah. And I know that's something that, you know, again, is like from my own personal experiences, but you, you were identified with Shutu as well. Well, I, you know, I've, you, you, you are the oldest of two. We should say Matt does not have a lot of, kind yeah, of older Yeah, I wouldn't be thinking of this from, um, well, my nuclear family, but I was just at a family reunion where mm-hmm. a bunch of people knew each other and were talking about things that th- happened 30 years ago. And not only did I not really um, feel engaged with, I also didn't feel the need to engage. Yeah. And I think Shutu... Shutu would desperately want to hang out with his, his all the people at this uh, retreat that he's at. Yeah, his he, older cousins. His older cousins who all know each other and Kalki Kochlin, who's very attractive. Uh, he's got a bit of a crush on her. And playing games with them. Yeah. Um, like he's, there, there's a lot going on between the characters here. And yeah, um, I've certainly never been uh, seduced by Kalki Kochlin. I feel like I might be able to pull it off a bit better. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> it's... It's there's you're right when it's an actor's movie because you feel like the the uh, actors really um, learn those roles and the family mm-hmm. history really well. I guess one thing that might be a bit of a barrier to audiences with this film is that we're not entirely sure how everyone was related. Mm. Um, we know like you could piece it together over the course of the film, right. but there isn't like a family tree. No, but you just know that Shutu's the oddball and everyone else yeah. is pretty uh, tight knit. Yeah. And that they've had lots of other uh, experiences beforehand that they're drawing upon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think maybe I would have appreciated a few more lines inserted just saying, um, Shutu, when your older cousin Vikram did this, you know. Right. It, it, it might be a little bit easier to set the scene. But apart from that, I, I just love this movie. Um, yeah, I thought The it... period detail was fantastic. I forgot to say it takes place in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um Everyone's got pitch perfect hair. Clothes look great. Yeah. Um, you and I are suckers for the seventies, to be <laughs> for sure. That's probably why we are. I would, my mind was going to Elliot Gould, right? Just because that sort of look is definitely seventies. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, this. I mean, this is one of my favorite films of the year so far. I, mm-hmm. I think this is a masterpiece. Uh, the scene transitions are incredible, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the cinematography, like this, this film is directed within an inch of its life and yet it feels so naturalistic and so lived in. Like I just, I never wanted it to end. I wanted mm-hmm. to spend my entire afternoon with this dysfunctional group of people because it was so engrossing. Long time Biffle listeners will know that I can often sort of see where a movie is going. I mean, I knew right. that Wanted was a cop. Yeah. I figured that out pretty quick. Yeah, uh, Ghost Just because Salmon's never a uh, bad guy. That's yeah. it. Ghost and, Hooker. Yeah, uh, uh, that's... Uh, uh, what was that? Talash. And Talash, yeah. In Talash, I could tell she's a ghost hooker. I, I think I said Spoilers it, for Talash, by the way, if you yeah, seen I it. I think I said it out loud like that, like, ghost hooker. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. But uh, this one, the narrative device of knowing... Two, maybe three people yeah. who I know are not going to die. You know, it does the Chekhov's gun thing. It, the gun is just sitting on the wall. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the grandfather, uh, played by uh, Ompori, he's RIP. He's thinking about, you know, taking it off the wall, cleaning it up, you know, taking it out for a few shots. And you're just counting down the minutes like, how is this going to go down? I need to know. Yeah. And I thought that was great. Yeah. 
I think if this film uh, had like an art house release here in North America and played um, in those venues, it would do really well. I think this has like huge crossover potential. Yeah, uh, this, this should is just so be a, this should just be normal metro programming. Yeah, this film is or the princess. It could, so I think it would do really well. And I'm really happy that we finally got the opportunity to see it because I've been looking forward to this for months since it played at the Toronto International Film Festival. I can't wait to see what Kankana Sun Sharma does next behind the camera. Because and in front of. She's, she's just talent. having a hell of a year. Oh, yeah. she's. I mean, she's always great. But I, I'd like to see her write and direct more movies. Uh, I will say our good friend Alan Mott, who went to the theater with us, did not like this movie at all. It completely mystifies him why... <laughs> We're so high on it, so... I will never understand you, Alan Mott. <laughs> you just keep being you, I guess. Your mileage may vary, but this... Yeah, this was a standout. I loved this movie. Yeah. Um, if you have the go, opportunity to see it... Yeah. Don't go in hoping for likable characters. Right. Because these people are humans. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone... It, it has likable qualities all the time, but even you know someone who you despise might have a funny line or something every right. now and then, and just makes you kind of think about them as a person. Um, I, it just felt very realistic. This group of characters, yeah, everyone was really dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. Power struggles in every can't, scene. Can't praise this film enough, and you know everyone who's been telling us that it's a must see. It, it really is. Yeah, Parth, you were right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, well, that takes us to the last film. Oh, and we should say that A Death in the Gunge was mostly in English. Yeah, I, that's another yeah. thing that I feel would make it uh, very uh, um, poised to do well in the mm-hmm. North American art house is that, yeah, um, the grandparents mostly talked in Bengali, I think. In hi- Well, there's Bengali and Hindi. Yeah, there's a lot of languages at play in this one. But yeah, and I can't The young that- people being, you know. Yeah. Wanting to be modern cosmopolitan types, they were talking English. Yeah, most of the movie. And I can't say that like my ear was good enough to recognize, especially because I was also following the subtitles when it was Hindi and when it was Bengali. But there are kind of all three languages at play. And uh, Shrina, former podcast mm-hmm. guest, was keeping us up on. Well, it was mostly this and this. Yeah, she has a she definitely has an ear for it, which mm-hmm. we don't. Exactly. Uh, well, that takes us to the last film that we saw at the festival. Newton. Mm-hmm. This was also a North American premiere. The film previously played at Berlinale, mm-hmm. the prestigious film festival. It's directed by Amit V. Masukar, and it stars Rajkumar Rao, who we also last saw in Rapta. Yeah, this is another step up from Rapta. Jim and Rajkumar are definitely making some moves. Sushant Singh Rajput? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Pankaj Tripathi. Anjali Patali um, and Raguvar Yadav. I hope I got that somewhat correct. Yeah, you know where to send the complaints as per usual. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this was an interesting movie. I think I ended up being a lot more frustrated by it. Mm. This one I went in knowing almost absolutely nothing about it. You were explaining to me the... uh, Naxalites. The Naxalites while we were walking to the theater. So I thought that uh, there would be more of a presence of them in the film. Yeah. We so should did, say what the movie's about. Yeah, so did I. And and I will start off by saying that Naxals or Naxalites are, or Naxalism uh, is kind of extreme Maoist communism. And mm-hmm. they it, it's a violent Maoist communism. And there are a bunch of militia groups throughout India of these Maoist communists. It's interesting. It's very though. violent. Yeah. Um, I don't know that much about it. I've seen it. You know the, this topic in films, yes. and I've read through the Wikipedia article, but by no means am I an expert. Yes, please don't take our um, <laughs> comments about uh, the Naxalites in this uh, review of the film to be any sort of gospel truth, as we're just learning about them. Um, and they they never show up. Yeah, that I guess that's maybe a spoiler. But uh, so the movie takes place in uh, Chhattisgarh, India. Mm-hmm. Um, Newton Kumar is a. Uh, very keen government clerk yeah. who wants to get away from his family, who wants to marry him off uh, desperately, um, thinks his job is boring, but he's also extremely devoted to the civil service. Yeah. Almost beyond reason. Um, good for you, yeah. Newton. Newton. As a fellow civil servant, good for you. Yeah, Newton is extremely <laughs> devoted to the the the, uh, the Indian uh, political system. And when... 
the election, which just happened, mm-hmm. um, the biggest election in human history, as I understand mm-hmm. it, uh, there were many, many uh, election sort of uh, clerks sent out to gather votes. And yeah, to near- set up kind of these poll offices yeah. in remote areas. Yeah. And one of these is in Chhattisgarh in a conflict-ridden jungle area. Yeah. And Where there's only 76 voters. Yes, there's only 76 voters, 76 registered voters. Um, and the guy whose job it was previously to do this bailed on it, saying <laughs> that he had a heart condition, he had a family, and <laughs> there's all kinds of reasons why he didn't want to go there. Yeah. Uh, you had to fly in, so one of uh, Newton's helpers on this mission just wanted to fly in a helicopter, <laughs> so that's why he chose the job. But uh, he flies into this uh, extremely remote region and gets set up with the local army de- uh, b- battalion present, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, Pankaj Tripathi's uh, unit. Right. Um, and interestingly enough, he uh, says, okay, right now in this uh, camp, you're in India. Out there, that's Pakistan. That's where <laughs> the enemies live. So uh, they're just meaning Pakistan as in enemies of mm-hmm. India rather than Pakistan the place. Right. But it, it was just interesting to hear that sort of attitude coming from the uh, uh, army. Anyway, what this movie actually is is sort of a... Uh, Satire? It's a satire and maybe a bit of a waiting for Godot type thing. Right. Because um, Newton sets up, Newton and his team set up the uh, voting booth. In a rundown school. In a rundown school in a village that they have to hike in for uh, eight kilometers from the military camp through jungles. There's a guy with a mine detector. There's all kinds of stuff. And then you kind of get a satire on the way that... Um, they call them the tribals, basically. Right. But the people in rural India who don't really conform to um, the general way of doing things, they have a different language, they have all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. how they are essentially bullied by the government into doing things like voting right. or yeah. dealing with checkpoints and stuff. And I thought that was really interesting. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I really, I really liked what this film had to say because it was both kind of showing how... Um, people are living their lives, for lack of a better word, off the grid. Mm-hmm. And it's They're very quite, rustic. Yeah, and it's not quite off the grid by choice. It's just like this is their culture and this is their lifestyle. And the larger kind of political um, movements and concerns of the country don't touch them. Yeah, it doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter who you vote for. As, as one character ma- says, uh, it just changes the picture of the guy on the wall. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it really, it doesn't concern them. What they're concerned with is the fact that their jungle is like ridden with violence and mm-hmm. no one actually wants to deal with that. Yeah, the Naxalites have actually told them all not to vote, like to boycott yeah. the vote. And the army says, well, we got a bunch of guys here. How about they vote? Yeah. And, and so kind of- Newton, being so fanatically devoted to democracy, <laughs> says, no, I want those 76 registered voters um, which makes me wonder if but there was a prequel movie about them. the people who went there to register the voters. Like, how did that work? But also, he wants them to come willingly. Because yeah. the army wants to force them to come. And there's a, there's a great scene where the army kind of forces a bunch of them to come. Because All the old people the in town. media is uh, coming to cover the fact that this polling station is there for the very first time. There's a Western. There's a white person there. Oh, yeah. a, like, a, I don't think she's Amnesty International or something. But, like, she's coming to just make sure... That uh, things are going according to plan, and uh, and, she's, and and she's got camera crew. She's like she's not yeah. Amnesty International. She's no, 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 the, no. There's there's another camera crew there that's reporting on. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure who that lady was. Like she wasn't UN or anything, but they just definitely wanted to make it look like, yep, uh, democracy's working perfectly fine here in this it's, tiny ass town. Yeah, she's like yeah. BBC or something. Yeah, BBC World or something. Um, yeah, and so you know he 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 believes that like. People should do this willingly. You can't force them. And this is like your civic duty. Um, but then he's confronted with the fact that with, like, the people here don't care. Yeah. Don't uh, well, so know how to read. Care. They don't speak the language. Like yeah. it, they, it doesn't concern them. It doesn't like, matter at all. the best portrayal of voter apathy I've ever seen because it's, you know, it makes complete sense. Yeah. No one is advocating for these 76 people. There's so a... Like, uh, no one. There's a line from Marx where he talks about the peasantry being a sack of potatoes. Mm-hmm. And the more potatoes you put in there, it's just still a sack of potatoes. And when you're a peasant, really the greater um, understanding of politics and everything else going on at a macro level, it just doesn't 
have anything to do with you. You're yeah. you're a farmer. You just go out there, you harvest stuff, you kill a chicken, and sometimes the army comes in and bullies you. And yeah. I think this does a really good job of showing to us moviegoers, like, here's how another part of the world lives and how they, you know, mm-hmm. how they're often used as a political football to impress uh, foreign people or yeah. um, to just vote for whatever party the army wants them to vote for. Yeah. And I, I, I my favorite also... part is when they're explaining the voting machine. And <laughs> yeah. It's just like, see all these pictures here? Just pick the one you like the best. Um, <laughs> it's... It's really fascinating. Oh, and also when they they want to vote their village headman in, like yeah, you're when Newton says, you know, pick the, pick the candidate whose uh, platform matches your own life and which one you want to to represent you in Delhi. And they're like, well, we like this guy here. He he knows a lot about us. And he's like, no, no, he's not on the list. You have to pick from this list here. Like, oh, okay. And then they list off the list, and we see kind of their campaign posters, none of which are appear in this jungle. Yeah, none of and them like, are even close to this place. We're overwhelmed in the same way that these villagers are overwhelmed. Like, we don't know who any of these people are, what they represent. Yeah, they haven't come by to say, Yeah, no one's hey, campaigned I'm gonna, in the jungle. Yeah, I'm going to come and fix your road, or I'm going to, you yeah. know, refurbish this school or whatever. They don't care. Yeah. The villagers don't care. Yeah. Newton is the only one who cares. And he is one of those characters where his, his sort of fanatical devotion to something idealistic is funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it does go to a pretty good place, but... The nature of the movie is to be waiting around for people to come vote, and it does take a while. So it it is kind of an exercise in combating boredom. Mm-hmm. And I think it was maybe a little bit long. But if it that was the intention, it totally worked on me. Do you think this film is in favor of voting or against voting? Because I think ultimately this film is pro-democracy. And I think one of its criticisms is of kind of a political system that ignores it's um, the people that have the power that ignores its citizens. Yeah, I think we're definitely supposed to be on the side of the villagers. I don't know if we're supposed to necessarily be on Newton's side because <laughs> he is kind of a weirdo. But yeah, like, I think you're supposed to feel for the villagers and how they're getting bullied by the army. And uh, I think Malco's the the best character. She's yeah. kind of the she's the a lo- teacher, local yeah. teacher who has uh, been uh, you know. Brought up as a interpreter, and also she's helping with the polling. Yeah, she's the local representative, and she's the one who understands things from all sides. Yeah, and she's educated, she's, and yeah, she knows all that stuff. And then she, she grounds the whole film, like because she yeah. is just like she is the voice of reason, and she understands it. She wants to help these people. She's a part. She's local. She th- these are her people, um, and so she she understands the community, mm-hmm. and she wants to to be that bridge. But she's also kind of aware of how the institution has forgotten these people. Well, she says to Newton, like, yeah, you know how the army came in here and pushed us around? Imagine if you had to deal with that every day, because yeah. that's what we do. It's either just subsistence farming or the um, the government needs us to promote something. Yeah, the, the army really doesn't come up well. Yeah, my favorite guy is the old guy who is a writer who writes about zombies, <laughs> which is funny. And also... Instead of he's, zombies. He's diabetic. Zombies. He's got to go poo all the time. Um, he's trying to do card tricks and uh, read Newton's fort- fortune. And Newton is, again, fanatically devoted to the idea of having his polling station be open. You know, we didn't laugh a lot while we watched this film, but talking about it after the fact, I I am, I have the giggles. Yeah, I mean, if you liked a movie like uh, Wag the Dog or... Um, uh, the thick of it, right? Like a political satire, but this is from like you know the grassroots level. Mm-hmm. I think you'd like this. Um, I mean, I think it's a little slow, but uh, once you keep that in mind, it's pretty funny. And Rajkumar Rao is great. Rajkumar Every, Rao, is everyone is awesome. great. The, the yeah. whole cast, like really, like this. This movie was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's another one where your the person you're sympathizing with does change every scene because you know most of the time you're with Newton, like yeah, democracy is good. Wait a minute! These people don't give a shit. Like, yeah. no one has uh, promised them anything. Or the army guy. Like, okay, um, you know, a little bit corrupt, but also he's been dealing with a guerrilla insurrection here. And then this guy shows up who <laughs> wants to do something that no one cares about in an extremely dangerous place. Um, I kind of felt for him too. Yeah, yeah. You do see everyone's motivation, and I think this is an interesting kind of portrait of. Democracy in action, but also kind of the again the failure of democracy. 
Yeah. Is it really democratic if the lowest of the low, like the people who could actually use the most help, are not being used for anything apart from a political football? Exactly. Who's to say? Exactly. And that's I. that's a very interesting and complicated place for this film to go and i think one that's very important yeah i i'd be very curious to see what our listeners think of the movie it's yeah. uh it's not out in india yet yeah we'll be in august i believe so uh if you get the chance to see it check it out yeah it was um i learned a lot actually yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of this supplemental episode. I think you can tell we had a good time at the festival. I think these are three very interesting movies. Mm-hmm. I would say Death in the Gunge, maybe Newton, Lipstick Under My Burka. Okay. I mean, they're all pretty high-quality films. Yeah. Um, I would go with Death in the Gunge, Lipstick Under My Burka, Newton. Yeah. But I, I like them all, and I think I'm really grateful for the opportunity that we've had to to see these films. Yes. Um, you know, we don't get a lot of the kind of more indie art house releases. We generally have to wait for them to show up on kind of VOD yeah. or on Netflix. So, for example, Trapped never released here. Uh, we have to watch it online now. Did Alligar release here? Nope. No. No, it did play at the India Film yeah. Festival of Alberta previously, though. So this is kind of really our opportunity to see uh, some of these buzzworthy art house films. And we're really appreciative of that. Yeah. Uh, we thank met you to some, the Edmonton Movie Club. Yes. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, we met some new friends at the festival, maybe mm-hmm. some future guests. So we're looking forward to that. Who's to say? Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> um, and it's fun to hang out with Shrina, one of our favorite uh, guests. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She came to a few of the movies with us. Yes. And Alan, another one of our favorite guests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be back in a week with our, as promised, Anurag Gubasu episode. In the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, you can uh, check us out on Twitter at Bollywood Pod. I'm there too at Matt underscore B O W E S. I'm at Erin Fraser, E R N E F R A S E R. You can like us on Tumblr, tumblr.com slash Bollywood is for lovers, as well as like our Facebook page where there's generally a lot of conversation. Just search for Bollywood is for lovers. If yeah, you're, have a little convo about us, uh, about the movies, if you're interested in these ones under, yeah. uh, under the Facebook. You're, are you looking forward to these films? Have you seen any of them? Mm-hmm. You know, Are you going to check any of them out? Uh, if you are a fan of the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps new people find the show. Uh, you can also check out my other show that I do weekly with Paul Matwichek called Trash Art and the Movies. What's your next episode on? Uh, it's on kind of riffs on Hitchcock, specifically in your rear window. So we're doing Disturbia against Body Double. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one. I think so. I hope Paul uses a clip from the Rihanna song because I think that might be my favorite Rihanna song. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Yeah. It's a pretty good one. Uh, that brings us to the end. Yeah, thank you very much. And again, thank you to the Edmonton Movie Club for uh, uh, hosting these films and bringing them to mm-hmm. us. So. Yeah, and we look uh, forward to next year's festival. Yeah, and uh, any other uh, screenings got over the course of the year that might crop mm-hmm. up, uh, they do bring in very interesting uh, films. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, so keep an eye out for our episode next week, and uh, we'll see you then.